Morning, everybody. Hey, why don't we stand and let's greet someone around us. If you're online, if you could type your name in the chat and say hello to people that are there. Let's take a moment and just greet one another. <clears throat> Hopefully some of this interaction with one another warms us up a little bit. And was it cold or what? At our house, on our porch, we have cans of soda that we've left outside. And all last night, they started exploding. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you hear this poof, and poof, and I went outside, and these, like, this shrapnel of, of frozen soda is like all over my porch. <laughs> so we'll have to clean that out today. <clears throat> Our scripture this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, or if you would like to take out your device, or we'll put that up on the screen for you. <clears throat> Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ." In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in, con in conformity with the purposes of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> Let's stop and pray together for a moment. <clears throat> Gracious God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we have the freedom and the ability to come and worship you. And I pray in these next few minutes that you would open our minds, you would open our hearts, you would open our ears to what you want us to hear today. And that you would not just leave us at the spot that we are this morning, but that your word will speak to us to motivate us, to challenge us, to transform us more into your likeness as we stay, take steps closer to you in our faith journey. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. <clears throat> so 26 years ago, I began my first full-time ministry position as a youth pastor. <clears throat> In that year, I led a team of students on a mission trip down to Mexico. We served in a small town just outside of Tijuana in an orphanage called Kalina de Luz. And at the entrance of this orphanage, there were two wrought iron gates that were locked for security. <clears throat> Midway through the week, one of our high school boys named Josh on the team climbed one of the gates, and he ended up getting his ankle stuck. <clears throat> and
And Josh ended up breaking his ankle and needed medical attention. So we packed up Josh into a vehicle and I grabbed our medical folder and we headed off to the border to bring him to a US hospital. <clears throat> and at the border, we found ourselves in a pretty scary and very difficult situation. Back then, it was only the driver in the vehicle who needed to provide formal ID to cross the border. Kind of like it is today, huh? Oops, sorry, did I say that? <laughs> the border agent didn't believe that Josh was a US citizen. And they accused us of trying to bring Josh into the country as an undocumented immigrant. You see, Josh was adopted at birth from El Salvador. And seeing that Josh was a different nationality called our story into question with the border agent. And the only ID that we had for Josh was this signed permission and medical release form by his parents <laughs> and a school lunch pass that he kept in his wallet. <laughs> Border agents were mach with machine guns appeared and our vehicle was searched. This giant German shepherd named Cujo kept us at attention. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Josh's ankle is blowing up like a balloon. And I'm trying to figure out how to convince the border agents that our situation was legit and that, Josh is, and that Josh was who he said, who said his lunch pass said he was. And at this point, I'm thinking through worst case scenarios. Would Josh be detained? Would I be detained? Would we be stuck in Mexico forever? Would I still have a job after this? Was resignation spelled with one S or two? <laughs> two hours later, after a supervisor's supervisor's supervisor processed a short-term visa for Josh at the tune of $300 for an administrative fee, we were on our way to a US hospital. <clears throat> and in case you were wondering, we had absolutely no problem at all crossing the border back into Mexico when we left and went back to visit our team. We were all okay. <laughs> But all of this happened because we were not able to prove or confirm Josh's identity as an adopted US citizen. Josh's story helps us to illustrate this morning that as Christians, we undoubtedly, for certain, without question, have citizenship and identity with God through Christ. We're in the middle of a teaching series called Identity Check, where we're exploring our identity in Christ. And we're looking at the theological and practical truths about our identity in Christ. Last week, we talked about <clears throat> how, by faith, we become children of God. Well, today, we're going to look at how that actually happens. How are we regarded as children of God? Our scripture today tells us that we are adopted as sons and daughters. But how does that work? How are we adopted? And what does adoption mean for us today? The book of Ephesians is a letter written about 62 AD by the Apostle Paul to the churches in and around Ephesus. Most likely, the churches had been planted by the church in Ephesus where Paul had been the pastor there for about two years. 
At the time of, the write, of this writing, Paul was in prison and he was writing to encourage unity within the church. Where the church was a blend of Jews and Gentiles, Paul's exhortation to them was that their former statuses should not divide them, but they should be united as a community of believers. So Paul's letter gave a theological understanding for their new and growing faith in a very highly pluralistic city. So this is important to understand that as we look at this passage this morning, Paul was writing to people who had already put their faith in Jesus. If you're here today and you have put your faith in Christ, this message is for you and will give you some theological understanding about how your identity in Christ is secure. If you are here today and you have not yet put your faith in Christ, this message can be for you as well, as it explains the benefits you will receive when you choose to receive Christ. See, the gospel is universal, but it's not given to us until we take that step in faith to believe and receive it. So I would encourage you to listen to the message this morning through that lens of understanding. Now, the verses that we just read were originally a one long-winded sentence of a prayer. Paul was praying these words in a very excited and passionate tone as he's recalling just how great and far-reaching God's work to bring us to him really is. So let's look at this prayer and see what, Paul, what Paul's prayer teaches us. First and foremost... God determined in advance that we are his adopted sons and daughters. Let's look at verses 4 through 6 again. Here's what it says. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined for us, us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Let those words sink in for just a minute. Before the creation of the world, God chose us. Think about that for a minute. Before the sun, before the moon, before the earth, the stars, the sky, the animals, before the world was formed, God chose you. Psalm 139 tells us that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. What does this mean? We were on God's mind from the very beginning. Why did he choose us? First, to be holy. Holy means to be set apart for God. God's setting us apart for something. And to be blameless. To be blameless means without fault or, or not guilty. So what's happening here? In love... He preordained, he preplanned us for adoption as sons and daughters so that we would be holy and blameless. We are not an accident, we're not plan B, we're not some salvage attempt or an afterthought. God planned before we were even born to be his children through adoption. And as adopted sons and daughters, we become 
full beneficiaries of God's love, his care, his protection, his, and, his, and his provision. So in a world where God's love can be distorted and broken, here we learn that God's love was an intentional promise. God chose to legally, spiritually, and theologically adopt us as his own. Not because of anything we have done or what we haven't done, but because of, one, who we are, and two, because of God's nature, which is love. The significance of God's choosing us in advance is that he has been executing his plan throughout history. I love how New Testament professor Michael DeFazio explains it. He says this, he says, All of God has been at work for all of time for all of you. All of God has been at work for all of time for all of you. As much as you may think that you are in control of your life, or that we can run and hide from God. God chooses us. All of God has been at work for all of time, for all of you. As much as we may think that we are unlovable or unforgivable or unworthy, all of God has been at work for all of time, for all of you. If you're here today and you've accepted God's amazing grace, it's because God chose you. All of God has been at work for all of time, for all of you. And if you're here today and you're sensing this idea, this nudge that God is calling out to you or reaching out to you or nudging you in some way to take steps towards him, God is choosing you. All of God has been at work for all of time, for all of you. God is at work drawing you into his family. And when you enter into the family as an adopted son or daughter, you are counted, you're confirmed, and you're declared as one of God's own. Because all of God has been at work for, had been at work for all of time, for all of you. God determined in advance, we are his adopted sons and daughters. The second thing we can take from this prayer is that we are redeemed from captivity for unity under Christ. We are redeemed from captivity for unity under Christ. Here's what it says in verses 7 and 10. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on, on earth under Christ. Redemption in the Bible means to be released to be freed from slavery when a ransom was paid. The original readers of this text in the early church would have connected the concept to the redemption of slaves in the Roman society. 
But the concept goes back even further to the book of Exodus when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. God freed them from captivity under Pharaoh in God's judgment on their sin by the blood sacrifice of Passover lambs. The night before Israel's exodus from Egypt, the Israelites placed blood from a lamb around their doorposts. And that signified God's passing over them when he released a plague on all of Egypt. Remember God chose us to be holy and blameless? Right in the Passover that we talk about here, we see God's choosing of Israel to be holy, to be set apart from Egypt, and blameless without fault through the blood of the Lamb. And that is the same idea that Paul is talking about here in verse 7 with a couple of adaptations. First, the blood of the lamb is not from an animal, but it's from Jesus, who was the sacrificial lamb in his death on the cross. Second, because of the redemption through Jesus' blood, God fulfills his purpose of us being holy, set apart, and blameless without fault. Well, what are we set apart from and blameless from? What are we freed from? We are set apart from the captivity of our sin. And we are freely forgiven with the riches of God's grace. See, God knew in advance that he would have to reconcile his people to him. God knew that he would have to give his only son for our ransom. In John's gospel, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Redemption is freedom. It's release from our past and present and future sin. Jesus' blood wipes away the debt of sin. God gives us a full pardon by freeing us so that we can be set apart, made holy, to be his adopted sons and daughters. Without redemption, we cannot be an adopted son or daughter. God chose to freely give us this redemption from sin by uniting us with Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is what Jesus meant when he said that. We're freed from captivity and we're united with Christ. Jesus is the way to freedom, the truth of forgiveness, and leads us to life with the Father. As God redeems humanity, he is reaching, he's gathering, he's bringing his sons and daughters together as the church, bringing unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We are redeemed from captivity for unity under Christ. So God determined in advance that we are his adopted sons and daughters. We are redeemed from captivity for unity under Christ. 
Here's the last thing we can see this morning. We are guaranteed by the seal of the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says in verse 13 and 14 again. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in, in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Those who, are, who were included in Christ here are the Gentiles who heard the gospel and believed. The Gentiles were considered outsiders or outliers by the Jews because they did not consider Gentiles part of God's people. But here, Paul is declaring the unity of the Jews and the Gentiles in Christ through the gospel. He's bringing them together. The outsiders are coming inside. Imagine with me, just for a moment, the confusion that might have happened back in that day. Here you have these Gentiles who are hearing this message for the first time, the gospel, and they're believing it. But the Jews were saying to the Gentiles, the gospel's not for you, it's only for us. So what Paul's doing here is he's making certain that the Gentiles knew what their place was by guaranteeing their inclusion by explaining that they're marked with a seal when they believed. In the ancient world, a seal was a mark of ownership and protection. It was often branded on a cattle or slaves. People knew who you were, and they knew who you, who, they knew who you were for the property of, whose property you were by the seal of that ownership. If you've watched the TV series Yellowstone, John Dutton will brand some of his select wranglers with the Yellowstone branding iron on their chest. They'll put this Y. There's a couple scenes in there where they, 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 they put it right on, the, on their chest with the branding iron. And as a branded man, you were on the inside. You're protected by the Dutton name. It was irreversible. You could never leave the family. The only way you left is if you died or if you were killed. As adopted sons and daughters, we have a seal. Now, fortunately, it's not a branding iron. It is, a, it is the Holy Spirit, which is the third person of the Trinity. When we come to that moment where we believe, we receive the Holy Spirit as a seal as proof of inheritance as adopted sons and daughters. That seal is irreversible. It's fully guaranteed. It serves as a deposit, reminding us of God's chosen love, his redemptive plan, and our citizenship in heaven. So wherever we go, whatever happens, we have the creator of the universe leading and guiding us, protecting us, and ensuring his guaranteed redemptive work in our life. Here's our big idea for this morning. In Christ, God chooses to redeem us and protect us as his, as his adopted sons and daughters. In Christ, God chooses to redeem us and protect us 
as his adopted sons and daughters. The plan, this plan has been in motion from the beginning of time in a work throughout all of history. Friends, you are children, you are sons and daughters of the king. What does this mean for us today? Three things to consider. First, we have guaranteed citizenship. There is nothing that we can do to lose the love of God, to lose that sonship or daughtership. We are considered part of God's family for now, beginning now through eternity where we are proven and considered one of God's own. That's comforting for us now, but it's comforting us for our future. Second, we have a magnificent hope that no matter how, things, how tough things are in our life, no matter what circumstances we face, no matter what struggles we go through, no matter what hurts we have or habits we get caught up in or hang-ups that we have, we have a hope in a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, and he's leading us and guiding us to a hope for today and a hope for tomorrow. He's not leaving us as we are. He's transforming us and changing us into the likeness of his son, preparing us for God's family in eternity. And that leads us to the final thing of what this means for us today. We have a glorious future meaning our lives don't end. The rest of our life is, eternity, is in eternity with God, with his people. What we go through today, what we experience today, is preparation for life and eternity with God in the future. And that's one that we can celebrate, we can sing about, because we know who we are. We know that our citizenship is in heaven and that hope that we can look forward to is a secure footing in our life that we can trust and we can live out and we can share with others, knowing that it's not some crazy story or some long history fable. It's real. The gospel is a living, active saving grace that he's given to each and every one of us. And if we receive that, if we believe that, friends, we have a guaranteed citizenship as God's adopted sons and daughters. In Christ, God chose to redeem us and protect us as his adopted sons and daughters. Let's pray together. <clears throat> God, thank you for the security in knowing that you have established from the beginning that you chose us, that you loved us, that you have a plan in motion that's redeeming your people and you're drawing them to him. God, I pray that if we're here this morning and we're, we're stuck in some way of taking that step, God, would you open our hearts would you, would you allow your spirit to release any fears or doubts 
that we can trust you. And God, if we've been walking with you, help us celebrate that today to know that you are our firm foundation and we know who you are as our, adopt, as our, as our father, as we are adopted sons and daughters. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.